How many of you are claiming that tonight? Amen. How many of you are really claiming that tonight? It, there is a new season coming. Hallelujah. Amen. What a great presence of the Lord is in this place tonight. And I, I like that. I don't ever want to get used to church without that. Amen. Thank you for stirring my heart. I've been praying lately that the Lord would help me to win a soul. How many of you are hungry to reach somebody you hadn't reached before? Why don't you, how many of you will make a commitment with me that between now and the end of the year, your prayer is God, lead me to somebody that I can be a witness to. Help me to find somebody that I can talk to and direct them. Amen. I believe that there is a revival in that, and I am I'm anxious for that. Man, great to be here in the house of the Lord on Sunday night. I still love Sunday nights. Amen. I'm thankful you do too. I'll try not to be lengthy. You have your Bibles. Turn with me to book of Joshua chapter 4. Joshua the fourth chapter. I'm going to read beginning with verse number 1 down through verse 7. And then we'll skip down to verse 21 through 24. Joshua chapter 4. While you're turning there, our upcoming Thanksgiving dinner, um, our annual dinner, it is a family affair. We do not have a set menu. We encourage every family to bring enough for your family and a little more. We like to experience the many different tastes and uh, traditions. Some people are turkey and dressing people and sometimes thanksgiving for them is something altogether different and we have never ever gone away hungry and we have always had such a great time of fellowship it will be tuesday evening the week of thanksgiving we're going to be doing it in our old sanctuary we're going to do some cleaning out Probably the last event we'll be able to have in there before they tear it down. I speak that in faith tonight. Amen. Uh, it is coming, church. It is coming. So remember that, um, whatever your specialties, um, just bring a little bit of everything. Amen. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm. 
It's important. It's important to build your memorials out of the right things where their feet stood firm. Twelve stones and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign. Everybody say a sign. I still believe in signs. Anybody else still believe in signs that they're important to the church? Signs and wonders. And this shall be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, What mean you by these stones? Then you shall answer them. That the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Verse 21, and he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord. That it is mighty. Amen. That you might fear the Lord your God forever. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. I read it tonight from the message translation. I'm going to read verse twelve. And 13. The message translation reads like this. Because the stakes are so high, even though you're up to date on all this truth and practice and practice it inside and out, I'm not going to let up For a minute. 
in calling you to remembrance and attention before it. This is the post to which I have been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders. And I'm sticking to it as long as I live. I love that because the stakes are so high. Say that with me, because the stakes are so high. I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight about why. Everybody say why. 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 And I'm going to answer that because the stakes are so high. Say that with me. Because the stakes are so high. We live in a day when there is so much hanging in the balance. And I come again to you as a pastor. Talk to you out of my heart tonight. About why. Why these things are so important. And why we must never, never, never let them go. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In Peter's closing letter to the New Testament believers, you hear the heart of a man who has great passion and great desire to still influence the growing church. It is still in his heart. It is still in his spirit to be effective and to somehow stir up their minds of remembrance that There are some things that you must be aware of and you must not let go of and you must never forget. He warns against false teachings that were creeping into the church and into the lives of God's people at that time. And they were combating things on several fronts. There were several different movements of so-called religious influence that were infiltrating the church. And uh, they were all mixtures of some Greek mythology or some uh, pagan beliefs that were somehow being warped and morphed into the Christian message. And out of that, was coming great confusion. And uh, because of that, many of the things that you read in the New Testament epistles were, were in the form of warnings because of what they saw coming. The spirit that was uh, rising up and manifesting itself, and it was so deceptive, and it was so cunning, and 
it made such good sense, common sense, that uh, they would they would accept it and they embraced it. They believed it. And one of the the, the teachings that the Gnostics had was that Jesus was not enough that he was not sufficient, that you needed Jesus plus something else. And so they added all of these other options and opportunities, and they trivialized the name of Jesus, and they trivialized who he was and what he was in the church. And there is that same kind of spirit that is parading itself in our day under the guise of Christianity, that is presenting their own form of Jesus. It's the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Jefferson didn't believe in miracles, and so he went, to his Bible and he took his pen knife and he cut out every miracle in the New Testament. It's in the Smithsonian Institute for you to see. The tragedy with his, his Bible was it ended with the crucifixion. And yet there are philosophies that are invading our church and we have come into a time when there is this merging and mixture of of all of these different things that people feel like are necessary and they're essential to reach this generation. I want to tell you what this generation needs that will reach them more than anything else and that is if we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. They don't have to like that part of it, but I just know the power of that message is what delivered me, and it's what delivered you, and it will still deliver whatever might be brought to the cross. Drug addict, alcoholic, it doesn't matter what your lifestyle has been. There's power in the blood of Jesus, and you don't have to mix it with anything else to make it work. One of the other teachings of the Gnostics was that morality was not important to the Christian life. That your body and your spirit were two different things. And you could be clean in your spirit and that was okay. Then you could do anything you wanted to in your body. And Peter stood to confront that. And there were many other things. I don't have time to go into all of them tonight. But they taught many, many things that on the surface they seemed so appealing and so uh, uh, attractive. And they sounded so reasonable. And many of the New Testament church at that time were being sucked into that. That they were being influenced by those things. And just the influence of it was lessening the importance of the other things that should have been magnified. And so Peter comes to the New Testament church and the believers in one last letter. And he said, I, I want to get your attention one more time. And I may sound like a broken record, but I'm going to keep sounding like a broken record. I'm going to say the things I said before because it's essential 
even though you're doing them, that I remind you to not just do them, but keep doing them. Amen. There's something that we've got to hang on to, and we cannot let it go. Do I want to have a modern church or or, or, um, a, a church that's up to date and all of that? In some ways I do, but in some ways I don't. Amen. I'm not against technology. I'm not against all the gadgets that we have that would help us reach our community and our world. And I'm the first to tell you that I'm technologically challenged. I don't Twitter. I don't tweet. I don't sit on the, the limb and do anything else like that. I, I, I don't have enough time to do that. And I don't want to be hung up on that thing so long. I'm hung up on it enough as it is. But I understand that all of those things are great tools. But they can never, absolutely never circumvent the importance of the doctrine and the gospel that is preached in this book. And I don't care how good they sound if they do not elevate the name of Jesus and they do not magnify the message of the cross and they do not keep him central in their efforts, I'm not interested. Amen. Amen. I think it is important. Peter said, I think it meet. It's necessary. It's essential. You've heard me say it, but I'm going to say it again. I've been doing this for a long time and I probably... Get on your nerves every once in a while, but I'm going to keep getting on them. Not because I want to get on your nerves, but I want to keep you awake. And I want to keep you alert that there's some things that we cannot afford to ever allow to slip out of our grasp or become unimportant or secondary or unessential. Oh, that's all right. That's something that we do. But we do that in another room. I want it to happen in this room. I don't want to have to take them to another room to pray them through to the Holy Ghost. I'm not being critical. I think it ought to happen in this room right here. I believe it ought to happen where we are. There ought to be people baptized in our presence. Amen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him. You say, you sound like an old man grinding an axe. Well, I am an old man, but I'm not. Well, I am grinding an axe. Because it needs to be kept sharp. And there's some things that we will never, if you want it, you might as well go find another church. And this is news for you. If you want that, there are 10,000 other churches that are already doing it a hundred times better than we could ever do it. I'm not interested in that. But what I am interested in is having a move of the Holy Ghost. That when somebody walks in these doors, something reaches out and gets a hold of them and said, this is what you need. This is where it is. You need the power that is in this place. And see God do the miracle of transformation. Transformation. So why such a concern? Why such a, why make so much noise? Why such a fuss? Because silence is costly. Silence is costly. Because silence supposes acceptance. 
You don't have to say you accept it. Just quit talking about it. You don't have to say I agree with it. Just quit talking about it. And silence is costly. And Peter understood that. And that's why he felt it necessary and urgent to get on their nerves and stir them up. Often, even though they were doing it and they listened to him and wondered, what are you preaching to the choir about? He said, I just need to keep you sharp and I need to keep you mindful of what it's going to take and what is essential for us to hold on to that we must never, ever, ever let go of. And if we ever become silent on it, we don't have to say we accept it. Our silence supposes our acceptance. Our silence supposes our endorsement. I know there are men that will not use the word sin in their pulpit. I feel sorry for that congregation because they need to know in the world, they need to know there is such a thing as sin. And God still considers it a very serious thing. It's so serious, it's the reason he came and died on a cross. And we're trying to make it ignorance. Oh, that's one of the other teachings of the Gnostics. They said it wasn't sin, it was ignorance. Sin's too nasty. Sin's too, that's too vulgar. That's too rough. That's too offensive. We don't need to say that you sin. We just need to say, oh, that was just ignorance. It may have been ignorance, but it's still sin. And a sin... It's when I miss the mark. It's a violation of God's law, God's word, God's order, God's principle. And those things still matter to God. And if they matter to him, they ought to still matter to us. Now let's go back to Judges. It was a pivotal moment for Israel. They had come to the Jordan after a long journey in the wilderness. God gave Joshua instructions about what was going to happen in the next short while and this transition that they were going to go through moving from the wilderness into the promised land. And these instructions, part of those instructions had to do with taking stones from the river to make a memorial God wanted them to remember this place. He wanted them to remember this time. He wanted them to remember this season, this experience that they were going through. And so he said, I want you to make it a memorial. A memorial is a sign that signifies and declares Something of significance or something that matters. And he said, when they see those stones, they're going to ask, what do those stones mean? And it is important that you tell them what those stones mean. And he gave them, he gave them instructions concerning that. Read verse number 8 and, and, and read verse number 22 and 23 and 24. 
Those are the explicit guidelines that God gave to Joshua to give to those who were asking, what does this mean? And it's very clear. You, you, you can look at it. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time tonight without my glasses, but it said, and the children of Israel, uh, did as Joshua commanded, or, or go back to verse 7, verse 7. He said, and then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. That was significant. But they were not just cut off, but they were cut off before the, that, that piece of furniture that represented the presence of God. And when they come to this point and they ask you, what does that mean? You tell them, don't just tell them that the waters were cut off, but tell them that the waters were cut off in front of the ark, which represented my presence. You tell them that this Jordan was flowing out of its banks and I made it a dry place for them to walk over into their promise. When they come to that moment, verse 22, 21, he said, saying to them, when your children shall ask what these stone, what mean these stone, then you shall let your children know saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. Amen. And you need to tell them for the Lord your God dried up the river. He completely dried up the waters so that there was no mud or no difficulty in getting through that place. You need to tell them that. You need to tell them that the, the, the waters were dried up as it was at the Red Sea before us until we were gone over. And then, he said, I want you to tell them so that all, everybody say all, I want the world to know, the people of the world might know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you do not serve some statue or some image created by the the hand of man, but you serve the living God whose arm is not short nor slackened to help you. And that hand is mighty to save. That's what you need to tell them. When they ask what this means, you tell them that. I was reading that the other day, and all of a sudden, it it dawned on me. Why? Why was this so important? Why was this what so critical? Why the concern? And I got to thinking about it, and I realized tonight... As your pastor, my concern is not so much what we know, but why we know it. Because you can be filled with a head full of knowledge 
I've had backsliders that could quote more scripture to me than I could quote. But just because you know what doesn't mean you know why. And for the what to really mean anything, you better know why God gave you a what. You better understand that there's a reasoning behind it, that God has a divine purpose in you knowing and remembering that. And it's not just what you know, it's why you need to know it. And he wasn't just giving this for that generation. He was giving it for generations to come. He said, this will be a memorial forever. So I take that to mean it's still a memorial. Amen. Say it's still a memorial. And so it was not just the why, my con, or the what, my concern is becoming the why. Why is this so important that you rehearse these things before your children, that you remind them that God stopped the waters. He dried up the Red Sea. He did it all before the ark of his presence. We walked across on dry ground. Why is it so important that we remind them repeatedly of this same old story? Because confined in that story are some things God doesn't ever want us to ever forget. And they are the reason that we're here tonight. And if we ever forget the why, it doesn't matter what we know. The why is what makes the what relevant. The why is what makes the what powerful. The why is what makes, or the what, it why is what makes me want to shout tonight. It's what makes me want to shout about what I do know. It's because God has given me a reason for the hope that is in me tonight. Amen. So why? Everybody say why. Why is it so important? Second question is, does anybody care why? Do you care why we do some of the things we do? Well, we just do it because my dad told me to do it. We just do it because that's just, we're just Pentecostal. We just do it. Why? 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 And so we do a lot of things because this is the way we grew up. And that's why they don't mean a lot to us. Because we know the what, but we've forgotten the why. Why is it important that we live a separated life? Why is it important that we live godly in this present evil world? Well, it's unreal. It's just, it's unrealistic in this age and culture. It's just not possible. Yes, possible or God wouldn't have said it. But why did he say, be ye holy? Why? For I am holy. Amen. You've got to know why. For it to have a real grip on your heart. Because if you know why, you'll never let it go. If you know why, when it starts, other things start creeping in, you'll say, oh, no, 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 I'm not buying that. I'm, I, I, I don't believe that. That doesn't go with what I read in my Bible. That doesn't jive with what, that isn't even, that doesn't even go with what I feel when I hear it. Amen. Somebody say, I want to know why. If you don't know why, 
man, then what you know will wind up not mattering. Because all of those that were embracing Gnosticism knew what the gospel was. But they forgot why it was important to keep it pure. Amen. So what did God want them to remember? Why did God want them to remember these things? Number one, he wanted them to be a reminder. Always, not just to this generation, but to every generation to come that you didn't get here by yourself. The only reason you're here is because of my mighty hand. Sometimes we get the feeling like we're here because of our own doings. We're here because we're so good. We're here because we pray so many times a week and we read our Bible so many times a day and we fast so many days a week and we're here, we're actually doing God a favor for being here. But the truth is the only reason I'm here is because of the grace and the goodness of God and I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget where he found me. I don't want to get so far removed from the sin that I came out of. I want to be removed from the sin, but I don't be want to be removed from the mystery memory of where I was and what it felt like until his spirit invaded my heart that night and the joy of the Holy Ghost filled me. I don't ever want to forget where the Lord found me and what he had to get through to get to me. I want to ever be mindful of the fact that I didn't get here by myself. We need the help of the Lord. And we've got to have the help of the Lord. And I think one of the things God was trying to keep in the forefront of their mind is you didn't get to the promised land by yourself. And if you didn't get here by yourself, you're not going to be able to stay here by yourself. You're going to need me all the way to the end. Amen. Have any of you forgotten where God found you? Have you forgotten how rotten you were? Oh, I know some of you were born talking in tongues. Some of you were born, come out of the womb with the Holy Ghost. But this boy wasn't. Amen. And I, I, I wasn't an old sinner, but I'd done plenty before God turned me around. Amen. And I'm so thankful that he did. And I don't ever want to get to the place that I feel like I can make it without him. We just channel God out. We can have, we, we can have church without you, God. That's all right. We, we know how to do this. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what people like or they don't like. I'm not going to orchestrate out of our services a move of the Holy Ghost. I don't care about time constraints. I don't care about what the clock says. I am not going to confine God to doing it the way I want him to do it. I still want God to be God, and I want to leave the door open. I want to have a program, and we're going to have some kind of organization, but that's just a structure for us to follow and until the Lord steps in because it doesn't matter what I do. What matters is what God can do in that little moment of time when I open the door and let him come in. And in that moment, he can change everything in my life. Amen. It was number two, it was a reminder to them that God was a God of the supernatural. 
I got to thinking about some of the miracles that God has done in this place over the few years that I've been pastoring. And my mind just went crazy. I thought, I thought of an all night meeting, all night vigil at a hospital, Erica, on a Saturday night, emergency surgery. The report that the doctors had given the family was not good at all. And that all-night vigil, Saturday night, emergency surgery on the heart, and, and, and it was touch and go. And then the Lord worked miraculously and brought healing. And, and then the doctors were coming back to the family. And if I remember correctly, they did an interview with her, and they put it in a medical journal, the miracle of what had happened in her life. I don't ever want that to escape this church. I want somebody ever once in a while to reach back and pull that one back and say, hey, I want you to remember God still does supernatural things. He still does things that cannot, the doctor can't even explain. He does things that you cannot even comprehend. He can work a miracle in your life. He can do things that will blow your mind. I look on that back row and see a balding man that was born two pounds and 14 ounces. And I'm talking about back in the 40s. That's so far back, I've almost, I can't hardly count that far back. Two pounds, 14 ounces. Now today, that doesn't seem to be a big deal because of all the help that they have. Back then, they didn't have any of that. All he had going for him was a praying mother and a Holy Ghost filled church. And they prayed. They brought him home. He fit inside a shoebox. That's how small he was. Now, you'd be shocked today to believe that because he's outgrown that disability. (laughs) In a good way. The doctors pretty much told my mother that there wasn't a whole lot they could do for her if he made it. It would be on their hands. I got news for you folks. He made it. He made it. He made it. And I am not going to let the fact that we don't see everything that we want to see happen stop me from telling you that God is a supernatural God and He is a God of the miraculous and that is something that we better never forget that there's nothing impossible with God. There is nothing too hard for Him. There is nothing that God cannot do. You better hang on to that. You better know why God has done those things so that you will always trust Him and you will always call upon Him and believe that He is able. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. I believe what God wanted them to remember and the reason why is because He didn't want to ever, He didn't want them to ever forget the importance of His presence in their midst. Amen. Those rivers did not stop because of the priest. 
That water did not quit flowing because of the priest. The waters did not stop moving and it, the land did not dry, dry out because of the priest. It dried out because there was an ark out there before it. And when that water saw the presence of God, it started going back the other way. Amen. I'm just telling you that there's a power of God that is available to us. And if we ever forget that, we will become nothing more than a shell of something that was. I don't want that. I want the power of the Holy Ghost in this place every time we get together. I want something supernatural to happen in this house. I want you to know why we worship and why we rejoice and why we keep reaching. Because God is there. God is here. He's where you are. He wants to be in the midst of your problem. And he's got to be magnified in this place. Come on, clap your hands to him and give him praise. I'm just of the opinion that when God's presence is there, there's a lot of stuff that's going to stop. You could stop a lot of nonsense in your life right now if you just invite the presence of God in. You could put a stop to some chaos, some trouble, turmoil, if you just let him manifest his presence. Lord, I want you to be God. I'm telling you, church, I am not dumbing down our services so we can manipulate the outcome and eliminate a move of the Holy Ghost. I understand TBN's never going to come calling. I don't care if TBN or ABC or CBS or anybody else comes calling. I'm not interested in that. What I am interested in is that we know why. We're in this place. We're in here to have a move of God. We're in here to see God do what God does. He does supernatural things. He does things that you can't explain. We're here because God is still in our midst and he is not somewhere on vacation. He's not on a distant planet, but he's right here this evening in this place on this Sunday night in this month of October or November. God is in this place. He is just as present right now as he was back then. And he wanted them to know it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you face. I want to face it with you. Come on, stand to your feet and clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's a lot at stake. Very large denomination in our country, some of their officials were at one of our meetings one time. And they saw the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And they made reply to some of our officials. They remembered the day when that kind of thing happened in their services. They remembered the day when that kind of 
experience was common in their midst. They didn't deny it. They just went silent on it. They were afraid that if you said you have to receive the Holy Ghost, that's just too offensive. That's just too, that's too harsh. What are you going to do about all those people, those good people? I'm not going to do anything about them. God's going to take care of them. I just know what the Word says. Marvel not at I say unto you, you must be born again of water and spirit. And when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter didn't mince words. He didn't say, well, what would you like to do? He said, repent. Turn around. Quit going the way you're going. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name, in the name, yeah, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not an option, not a possibility, not if you want to go that far. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We should never be ashamed to declare that to somebody. You know what you need? You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Amen. Why? Because there's a lot at stake. We're in the last hour, church. The spirit of Antichrist is already loose. The spirit of Antichrist is already working. What, what, what's he doing? What's it trying to accomplish? Trying to trivialize every word in this book and silence the voice of the pulpit in America. And though we say we, st- this is what I've had some of them tell me that have gone away. They said, oh, I still believe it. Well, if you believe it, why don't you preach it? If you believe it, why don't you declare it? Because in your silence, look at what's happened. Now, I'm not, I don't want to be offensive. I don't think we should be offensive. I don't think we should be rude. I think we should be wise in dealing with people that do not know the Lord or even those that say they do know the Lord. You don't tell them they don't have anything. Just tell them there's some more for them. Why? Because there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. I think one of the things that the Lord wanted them to do in the repeating of this was to keep their testimony alive. Some of you have a testimony. I just mentioned one here tonight, but there's many of you that have a testimony 
of what God miraculously did in your life, how he worked that ill, how he brought you through. I heard one of them from Sister Sarah the other morning, an arm that was crippled and could not be straightened. And in a moment of faith, she stretched it out and it was restored whole. I'm telling you, you've got a testimony. We are being too silent about what God has done in our own personal life. And we need to open our mouths and start telling it. God is good. God is a miracle worker. God is a way maker. God is a provider. God is a healer. God is a God of mercy. Amen. Some of you need to get your testimony out. Because you're still going to need it to be an overcomer. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You better keep that alive. Somebody say, oh, I've heard that before. I don't care. I want to hear it again. Because all it takes to lose it is just to quit talking about it. I don't ever want to get to the place in my spiritual journey when I come into a service and I remember when I remember when I remember when God moved and interrupted service and people received the Holy Ghost and miracles happened and God worked things out and answered prayers and gave us direction and cleared up confusion in our mind. I don't ever want I don't ever want to come to a church where there's not an opportunity. I don't ever want to come to the place where I come in here and I remember when. I remember when the Holy Ghost just settled in this place. It was like a cloud. You couldn't God reminded me when I was just a young person, very young uh, teen. My brother Brother Eldon Moore, both young people in the church there, we had a move of God on a Sunday night. And the Holy Ghost fell in such a powerful way. We didn't have all of this stuff to help us. There was an upright piano. And I don't even think anybody was playing the organ that night. And Brother Holly was a great man, but he was not a dynamic preacher. But when he got through preaching, the Holy Ghost fell. And at midnight, they had to usher my brother and Brother Eldon out of that church. They were so drunk in the Holy Ghost, they couldn't even stand up on their own feet. Somebody had to drive them home because they were so drunk in the Spirit. Anybody ever remembered those kind of services? Has any anybody here ever experienced that personally? Oh, no, 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 no. Not me. I've never been drunk. Well, you need to get drunk. You need to get, you've been, you might have been drinking something else, but you need to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. You need to get so much under his influence that you lose control and he takes control. I tell you what, he can work some things out in your life because the way we're doing it is not doing very well. Say it with me. 
because there's so much at stake. Amen. Because I want to hang on to it. But I want to have more than a what. I want to remember why. Amen. Why is that there? Well, let me tell you. There was a time when there was no way. No way. No way. I couldn't go to the right. I couldn't go to the left. And I couldn't go back. God said, all right, I got this covered. And it parted. And you just walked right over on dry ground. Why? Why are you so adamant about going back over this stuff over and over again and preaching this stuff? Because if I don't, there will come a time when it would be nothing but a faded memory. I want the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. I want God to still be in control of our services. Please hear me tonight. I I hope nobody miss. I'm not being critical of anybody else. No other church. I don't. I'm not. I didn't mean any of that. But I'm just telling you. I'm not interested in dumbing down our services to accommodate people because we're afraid we might scare them off. Hey, there's freakier stuff than this out there, and it's not scaring them off from that. I mean, crack cocaine and meth. That's a lot freakier than this. They're still doing that. Somebody say, I've got to have it. We can't ever let it go. I don't ever want to forget it. I want to know why I have a song. I want to know why I have a reason to rejoice. I want to know why. And and I want to be able to give a reason for the hope that is in me. Because I can tell you of a time. When I couldn't get it through on my own and God found a way to get me through. Are you here tonight because of God? Are you here tonight because God has kept his hand on you? Are you here tonight because God's been good to you? Ah, yeah. You ought to give him some praise right now. I don't ever want to forget that, God. I don't ever want to be silent about that, God. I I don't ever want to quit talking about it, God. I don't ever want to quit praising you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. 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 Oh, hallelujah. I tell you what I want you to do. We're going to close service together at the altar. I want you to take somebody by the hand and say, come on. Because there's so much at stake. Come on. Come on. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me. Hallelujah. And then He raised me up. Thank you.
Jesus. Oh, 